Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, folks, welcome to the free Savage Nation podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But for those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. I'm going to give you a link right now. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. If you click on it. You're going to see a cartoon of me join Savage's exclusive club with the rate and you just click and you join. You're going to love it. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage exclusive club. I want to thank you very much for supporting the Savage Nation podcast, either the free version or the paid version. Your patronage. It's appreciated. It's that simple. Thank you so much for listening. All right, today on the Michael Savage podcast, I'm looking at what I call the truth about COVID vaccines, both positive and negative. Now, it's easy to run the negative ones, and you'd expect that from me. But I'm also running some positive comments about the vaccines from a virologist who's the real McCoy. I also have a fascinating interview with a brilliant doctor about his opinions on how the COVID pandemic was handled, and that's not good. So why don't you listen and decide for yourself? 
Okay, I want to continue now with a dialogue that I had by email with a virologist associate who I know, where I told him I was worried about these vaccines. And he said, if you worry about these vaccines, you should probably not read the label inserts for all of the drugs you take now with a smiley face. Now, this guy's top of the heap. He's a very famous virologist who will remain unnamed. So my answer to him was, he's actually a neighbor, was, we will know with some higher degree of certainty in a few more years, exclamation point, I said. I try to keep it very polite. So he answers me, he says, question, are there long-term side effects caused by mRNA COVID-19 vaccines? How do we know? And he gives me an answer. He's a very smart man. And here's what he said. The medical and scientific community is confident in the long-term safety of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. Then he quotes the CDC. And he says, quote, researchers have been studying and working with mRNA vaccines for decades. The mRNA vaccines have been studied before for flu, Zika, rabies, and CMV. As soon as the necessary information about the virus that causes COVID-19 was available, scientists began designing the mRNA instructions for cells to build a unique spike protein into an mRNA vaccine, unquote. He says, in addition, cancer research has used mRNA to trigger the immune system to target specific cancer cells. Decades of studying mRNA have shown no long-term side effects. According to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, the vaccine is not expected to have long-term negative effects for a few reasons, and he gives them. First, most negative effects occur within six weeks of receiving a vaccine, which is why the FDA asked the companies to provide eight weeks of safety data after the last dose. Second, the mRNA in the vaccine breaks down pretty quickly because our cells need a way to stop mRNA from making too many proteins or too much protein. Third, but even if for some reason our cells did not break down the vaccine mRNA, the mRNA stops making the protein within about a week, regardless of the body's immune response to the protein. He then goes on to say, and you're getting this direct from a top guy. You haven't read this anywhere because he's not publishing this. He told me, he said, Michael, in addition, the medical and scientific community is confident in the vaccine's long-term safety because of the track record of Canada's vaccine approval and BC's safety monitoring system. Overall, this means that the end data and safety tests are exactly the same as other vaccines that have been approved in Canada. The safety monitoring system in Canada happens both passively and actively. And he goes on to explain passive safety monitoring And he says an example of active safety monitoring is the nurses across Canada who are actively reviewing patients' charts as part of the IMPACT Immunization Monitoring Program Active. This is a pediatric hospital-based national active surveillance network for adverse events in children following immunization, vaccine failures, and selected infectious diseases that are or will be vaccine preventables. And he goes on to say, Michael, Canada's system has proven time and again that the data necessary to get through the approval process is sufficient to prove safety even for the long term. He then concludes with a paragraph, which is not boring at all. And he says, Michael, unlike antiviral drugs, vaccines do not select variants because the vaccines are given to uninfected people. Drug resistance only occurs when there is an ongoing infection and the virus slash bacteria is growing in the presence of the drug, it's known as selective pressure. Sincerely, R. And now some of the negatives we have heard about the COVID vaccines. Again, judge for yourself. 
big people, smart people, people in the industry of virology, etc., are starting to raise issues, which we didn't hear about, because the propagandist Fauci so obliterated the truth by appearing on television day and night, seven days a week, one show after the other. Nobody else's voice was allowed to be heard. He is a frontman for the vaccination of pharmaceutical industries, in my opinion. He has been since the AIDS epidemic. This is how this weasel has survived 40-some-odd years in a government job. Let me repeat that. Left, right, no matter who you are, nobody survives that long in a government job that I've ever heard of. Nobody, ever. You heard of term limits? How come there are no term limits for Anthony Fauci? Apparently, the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want him to have any term limits. So let's look at some of the data, and you decide. Maybe you all saw this. Over 300 cases of heart issue after COVID vaccination reported in young people, says the community uh, Democrat. Oh, the CDC. The CDC says a panel of experts will meet next week to review the cases. Experts. They can buy them like you buy uh, fish in a fish market. More than 300 cases of heart inflammation after COVID-19 vaccination are reported in young people. CDC and Prevention Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky, another genius, said uh, last week, the cases are rare, she said. And it's always rare. It's always rare till it hits them. Over 20 million adolescents and young adults have been vaccinated in the United States. Nevertheless, there are cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, which involve inflammation of the heart or the sac around the heart are higher than would be expected for this age group is directly related, no doubt, to the vaccination. Now, I can read the rest of the article, but let me explain what's happening because I asked an expert, why is it that young people are getting heart inflammation as opposed to older people? Wouldn't you think that younger people are stronger and they wouldn't get a reaction to a COVID vaccine? That's exactly why they are getting a reaction to the COVID vaccine. You see, because younger people are stronger and have stronger immune systems, their immune systems are overreacting to the vaccinations, causing the inflammation. That's the sum total of it, which it makes perfect sense if you actually think about it. Anyway, there's an independent advisory commission. We'll meet next week to review the cases, blah, blah, blah. The meeting was originally scheduled for last week, but was rescheduled late Thursday after President Fraud, Joe Biden, signed a bill into law declaring Juneteenth a federal holiday. Now, why did he suddenly declare Juneteenth a federal holiday? Why? To cover up his failures, failures on the border, failures with Putin. He failed at every turn. The inflation's out of control. Gas stations are closed. But you wouldn't know it because he's eating an ice cream cone and his dog died over the weekend. Anyway, the shot from Pfizer BioNTech is the only one authorized so far ch children ages 12 through 17. This is an outrage. Children should not be given this vaccine. This is criminal. What can I do? All I can do is try to give you some of the facts. And you decide for yourself because the reactions are are mild, according to Dr. Walensky. Dr. Walensky, during the briefing, Walensky said the CDC has asked, quote, clinicians to be on the lookout for and report patients with symptoms of myocarditis or pericarditis following vaccinations. The vast majority are fully resolved with rest and supportive care, Walensky said. 
People have had this side effect and have had mild or minimal symptoms that resolve within several days, said Dr. Katie Passaretti, medical director for infection prevention at Atrium Health in Charlotte. So there are your experts. Walensky ended by saying getting vaccinated is our way out of this pandemic. Profits have never been higher, by the way, for the vaccination gangsters. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Savage Nation podcast. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now, there's some other articles you have to know about before you make an informed decision as to whether or not to get a vaccination. You still have that power, by the way. I'm not getting one. I refuse to get one. I say to people who I know, I mean medical professionals, I said, I'll decide after the guinea pigs have been tested a year from now. He said, well, who are the guinea pigs? I said, you. And everyone else has been vaccinated. So here's an article from a website called The High Wire, and they quote a Pfizer vice president who says, the thing to be terrified of is your government. Really? Former Pfizer VP and virologist, Dr. Michael Yeadon, is one of the most credentialed medical professionals speaking out about the dangers of the COVID-19 vaccines. Yet it has fallen on deaf ears. That's because of Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, and the other professional Soviet liars, in my opinion. So there's a great article from Dr. Yeadon in this website where he breaks down his list of lies that keeps him up at night when it comes to lockdowns, masks, PCR testing, natural immunity, and why he thinks our health leaders have abandoned science and reason. Of course they have. In fact, we've lost our natural immunity to this disease. And a lot of people are going to get a lot sicker, not a lot healthier, as a result of this over-vaccination and the overuse of dirty masks for COVID-19. Now, here's the big article for today that I want to talk about, which is this. This is in the Defender website, and it's under Children's Health Defense News and Views, and it is on michaelsavage.com as a link. Okay, now they're being, they're being censored very, very highly. The Defender is censored very highly, as I have been, which is why I'm no longer on the radio. Never forget that the reason you do not hear me on the radio is because I am censored by big media and, of course, by big tech. The people you hear are controlled opposition. They're not bad people. They got to make a buck. They got to pay for their mansion somehow. And they got to lie all the way to the bank. So that's why you hear them. On June 10th, Dr. Robert Malone, creator of the mRNA vaccine technology. Now, listen to who he is. Dr. Malone is the creator of mRNA vaccine technology. And he went on this website in a conversation with an expert in his own right and they talk about the implications of a Japanese Pfizer blood distribution study and they say the study was made public early as this month by Dr. Biram Bridal a viral immunologist and it's about the spike protein and how it escapes from the site of injection and is landing inside our organs in plain English They confirm what I've been saying to you for well over a year. That's the lack of proper animal studies for the new mRNA vaccines and a theory put forward by virologist Geert van den Bosch, Ph.D., that mass vaccination with the mRNA vaccines could actually produce 
more transmissible and potentially deadly variants. So what is the Japanese bio distribution study? Well, it was a freedom of information request that was made to the Japanese government for Pfizer data in Japan. And prior to the study's disclosure, the public was led to believe by regulators and vaccine developers that the spike protein produced by mRNA COVID vaccines stayed in the shoulder where it was injected and was not biologically active and that it didn't travel in the body, the spike protein. The biodistribution study showed that fat nanoparticles or lipid nanoparticles from the vaccine did not stay in the shoulder muscle where they were injected as the vaccines developers claimed would happen. But the lipid nanoparticles from the vaccine circulated throughout the body and then accumulated in large concentrations in organs and tissues, including spleen, bone marrow, liver, adrenal glands, and, quote, high, quite high concentrations in the ovaries, in the ovaries. Women pay close attention. Now, what is an mRNA vaccine? The mRNA or messenger RNA tells the body to manufacture the spike protein that is injected. It sends a message, make some more of this. The lipid nanoparticles, the fat particles, are like the boxes the mRNA is shipped in, according to Malone. And then if you find lipid nanoparticles in an organ or tissue, that tells you the drug got to that location, Malone explained. Now, so what's in the Japanese study? According to the data in the Japanese study, lipid nanoparticles were found in the whole blood circulating throughout the body within only four hours and then settled in large concentrations in the lymph nodes, bone marrow, and in the ovaries. Wow. So Dr. Malone said there has to be monitoring of vaccine recipients for leukemia and lymphomas because there were concentrations of lipid nanoparticles in the bone marrow and lymph nodes. But those signals often don't show up for six months or three to nine years down the road, he said. Let me repeat that. Those signals don't show up for six months or three to nine years down the road. How do you like that? Malone went on to say that signals like this are picked up in animal studies and long-term clinical trials. But there were no such animal studies and there are no long-term clinical trials with mRNA vaccines. Dr. Malone went on to say there are two adverse event signals that are becoming apparent to the U.S. FDA. One of them, thrombocytopenia, thrombocytopenia, that is not having enough blood platelets, which are made in the bone marrow. Why is that happening? And the other, listen to this one, is the reactivation of latent viruses. Oh, boy, that's awful. Dr. Malone found the ovarian signal perplexing because there is no accumulation in the testes. Wow. He said the data has been out there for a long time, but no one's been paying attention to it. According to Malone, the FDA knew the COVID spike protein was biologically active and could travel from the ejection site, and it could cause adverse effects. And more important, if the spike protein is biologically active, it's very dangerous. Malone was one of the many scientists who warned the FDA about the dangers of the free spike protein. But the paid pimp, Dr. Freudy, Dr. Faustus, 
wouldn't let this information get out. Dr. Malone suggested autoimmune issues may be related to free circulating spike protein, which uh, developers of the vaccines assured would not happen. Now, to detect autoimmune issues, a two to three year follow up period in phase three patients would be required to monitor for potential autoimmune consequences from vaccines. Two to three year follow up. Did you pay attention to that? But that monitoring did not happen with the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So you are the guinea pigs. I have family members. They've been vaccinated. I won't be vaccinated. They're my guinea pigs. They think it's a joke. I don't. The man interviewing Malone, Mr. Weinstein, Dr. Weinstein, said Pfizer and Moderna did not conduct proper animal studies. Dr. Weinstein went on to say, we've got very alarming short-term stuff. We've got short-term stuff that is alarming on the basis of... You get the picture. Now, there's a scientist named Vandenbosch, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. Vandenbosch put out a call to the WHO supported by a 12-page document in which he described the uncontrollable monster that a global mass vaccination campaign could potentially unleash. Vandenbosch is a vaccinologist who worked with GSK Biologicals, Novartis Vaccines, Solvay Biologicals, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundations, Global Health Discovery Team in Seattle, and Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization in Geneva. Vandenbosch is setting off alarm bells And he says a combination of lockdowns and extreme selection pressure on the virus induced by the intense global mass vaccination program might initially diminish the number of deaths, hospitalizations and cases in the short term, in the short term. But ultimately, he says, will induce the creation of more mutants of concern. He calls this immune escape. That is the complete sterilization of the virus by the immune system following vaccine administration. And what will happen next is immune escape will in turn trigger vaccine companies to further refine vaccines that will add, not reduce the selection pressure and produce ever more transmissible and potentially deadly variants. This is all in the Defender Children's Health Defense News and Views from a great interview. What happens next is the selection pressure can cause greater convergence and mutations in the virus that affect the critical spike protein that is responsible for breaking through the mucosal surfaces of our airways, which is the route used by the virus to enter the human body. And as I've said to you before, viruses are very smart. And they say that the virus will effectively outsmart the highly specific antigen-based vaccines that are being used, depending on the circulating variants. And he says all of this could lead to a hockey stick-like increase in serious and potentially lethal cases, meaning an out-of-control pandemic. Malone went on to say, Vandenbosch's concern is not theoretical, it is real, and we have the data, we're stuck with this virus or its downstream variants pretty much for the rest of our lives, and it's going to become more like the flu. We will have continuing evolution and circulation of variants, and that is an escape, unquote. So there are two sides to the vaccine story given to you fresh here on the savage nation podcast one from other sources and one from my own sources i myself will not take the vaccine short of a quarter and even then i might emigrate before taking the vaccine i will not give up my health 
to those in the vaccine industry at this time for many reasons. And I'm certain that many people are like me. I don't think I'm alone. Meanwhile, in California, the governor put out the equivalent of vaccine passports and said they're not vaccine passports. It's amazing what liars politicians are, why we all distrust them, as we should. I don't trust my government. If you do, you're a moron, a real moron. So those are some of the ideas that I want you to think about, and I'll end again with a saying I've been using that is original to me. There are those with eyes who see not, and those who are blind who see all. Are you blind Hmm? and see all, meaning blind to science, but you see it all? And there are those in science with eyes who refuse to see the reality of what is actually going on. There are those with eyes who see not, meaning those trained to see, who refuse to see what they're seeing. At least that's one man's opinion right here on the Savage Nation podcast just for you. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I'm really honored to... uh, actually have produced today's podcast because I did an unexpected and amazing interview with Dr. Marty McCary, a professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Bloomberg School of Public Health, and Carey Business School. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. And I didn't expect it to be this good. You know, I thought it would be a good interview. I, I found the man's name online, and I thought it was a smart article. He's really a brilliant man, and he talks about how Dr. Fauci really failed in handling the COVID pandemic and was just basically a pig, a publicity pig. And we also talk about Dr. McCary's book, The Price We Pay, which I highly recommend. We have with us one of the top people in the field, Dr. Marty McCary. Please explain to us what is the price we pay for medical incompetence? (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to be with you, Michael. So the book, The Price We Pay, which um, I'm really excited about, just came out in paperback with a COVID look back. And it really details where we went wrong and where we could do better. It also talks about the broader reforms we need, not from the government, but things we need to do. It talks about how we need to treat more diabetes with cooking classes than just treating patients with insulin. We have the most over-medicated generation in the history Mm. of the world. And we're not talking about food is medicine, obesity, which hurt us badly during COVID, mm-hmm. and other things um, that we need to be talking about. It also, The book also addresses pricing failures in the market. Doctor, let me, let me ask you this. You know, my doctorate's in nutrition from UC Berkeley back in the dark ages, 1978, and I've seen what, what diet has done to America for years. It's a nightmare. What does obesity do to a body that makes the human being more susceptible to this virus and other viruses, for example? Well, it has something to do with what we call glucose metabolism or the way your body breaks down sugar. And part of it is not really understood. You know, we know that this virus is spread through uh, an enzyme called the ACE inhibitor. And it's a, sorry, the ACE receptor. And that receptor um, is critical in COVID uh, replication. So I would say some of it is known and some of it is unknown. But one thing that became clear from the CDC report is that 78% of hospitalizations for COVID were in people overweight or obese. Now, we should have gotten that information a year ago. Instead, we just got it recently. Well, that's an astounding piece of data. And here you are, a professor at Johns Hopkins, no less, School of Medicine, Bloomberg School of Public Health, Cary Business School. 
you're a New York Times bestselling author. How come we didn't hear from you instead of from Dr. Fauci? Well, you know, why was, a lot of why us- was he the demigod? I know you won't say anything that bad about him, but God, that guy was in the news every second. And he wasn't really telling us about environmental things we could do to lessen our risk of the disease other than put on masks and avoid human contact, which was a devastation for our society. Yeah. Um, Tony had a bad week last week. <laughs> and look, when we told people to stay at home and that was the messaging, we should have told people to get outside. And instead, huh. people put on 15 pounds and they worsened their oh, risk of COVID. Interesting. But it's hard for some of us to compete with Dr. Fauci when he's on the media 10 or 12 hours a day. You know, I can uh, do maybe one or two of these interviews a day. Right. But it's hard for us to get another point of view out there. No, it's absolutely true. He, 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 we don't want to talk about him all day, but it was clear to me, as I've said for years, and believe me, I've been in this world of, let us say, public health one way or the other since the 70s. I watched him during the horrors of the AIDS epidemic, and he wasn't talking about lifestyle changes then either. It was about taking a drug called AZT. So without talking more about him, let's go to the vaccines, doctor. I mean, I don't know what your position is on the vaccines. I think the vaccine approach is uh, kind of a mixed bag. I pers- myself have not been vaccinated. I'm an older man. I have un- one underlying condition. I'm super conscious of my environmental factors. I will not be vaccinated because it's an experimental RNA vaccine. What do you think? Michael, have you had the infection in the past? This one? Yeah, COVID-19? No, I have not. For those who had it in the fact in the past, they have natural immunity, and I would say the vaccine's not required. For those who have not had the infection in the past, I am a believer in the vaccines. In adults, it looks like, well, in, in all the populations where it's approved, over 300 million doses have been given with a pretty strong safety profile, probably better than any vaccine in history, but you don't have to get the two doses in mm. people under age 30 until we sort out these complications <laughs> that have been noticed in kids after the second dose they're clustered after the second dose and the first dose gives you a lot of protection dr mackery your book is called the price we pay and there's a lot more to this discussion than we're able to do in this moment but you're saying there's a flawed vaccine approach And what is the flaw in the vaccine approach that we have used in America? Well, if you look at teenage kids that want to go to college and can't because they don't want to get the second vaccine dose appropriately, given the concerns of pericarditis or given the fact they've already had COVID and they have natural immunity, there's no reason why we should Mm. be forcing these kids to be getting a two dose regimen. We're going to be creating a lot of harms in kids uh, from requiring the second two dose and the two dose regimen what, what kind of harm well we've know of 300 cases of pericarditis so far in those that have been vaccinated after the second dose under age 30 but why, you know why, israel why, why why would younger people who are stronger why would it result in pericarditis in because, a younger person because they have a stronger immune response to the vaccine. Ah. So when you get introduced with the spike protein from the vaccine, your body's reacting with more force. It's more robust. And oh I'll God. tell you this. I think there's more cardiac complications out there that we've not detected. One, because our capture rate of complications after FDA approval is very weak. Mm. And look at Israel. That country also reported 30, uh, 300 cases, roughly, of mm. these heart complications. 
and our country is about 50 times larger. How is mm. it they are reporting 300 and we think we've had about 300 when they're 150th our size in Israel? There's a lot more complications out there, probably attributable to the second dose in this country, in this in the United States. And it's and, not being reported. And by the way, it, Germany and Israel and probably soon the UK are going to say, look, let's hold off on, on vac vaccinating kids until we can sort this out or at least the second dose. I wish that the world listened to you instead of uh, Dr. Faustus, because I'm afraid that there's a greed element in the pharmaceutical industry, which, of course, as we all know, is a profit making industry. Great. I'm a capitalist, not a communist. But there has to be a reason, a reasoned capitalism, not a rapacious capitalism, especially when it comes to, to health issues. And here you are, top doctor in the field, professor at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. What you're saying is almost sacrilege to the vaccine industry, isn't it? Well, you know, I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm not for vaccine fanaticism. That says you have to get a vaccine if you already have immunity. That was part of the insanity mm -hmm. of what we were doing when we had this limited vaccine early on and we had vulnerable people that we were trying to ration this vaccine to. And we were all started by vaccinating people already immune. It was it was sick. It was illogical. It cost many American lives. And, you know, it's one of the many missteps when we rolled out the vaccine. Oh, OK, you can say People were learning as they went along. It wasn't based purely on greed. And now that we know these things, there should be an alteration in federal policy. But there hasn't been an alteration, has there? Look, sometimes it's just knuckleheaded bureaucratic policy. Let me give you an example. When you uh, aspirate the vaccine out of the vial, at the end of a few administrations, there's about a half dose at the bottom of the vial. Mm. Doctors said, hey, we want to pull that half dose from two vials and give somebody this life-saving vaccine at a time when we didn't have enough. I remember and the that. F you remember that? And the FDA yes. said no. They said you cannot do that because you potentially theoretically could cross contaminate. Well, we're using a fresh needle every time. We don't stick somebody in their arm and then use the same needle on the next person. And this sort of top heavy bureaucratic rule, the rigidity of Peter Marks and the others at the FDA resulted in the United States throwing in the trash about 15% of its precious vaccine supply early in the peak of the pandemic. We'll be right back with more with Dr. Marty McCarrick on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Dr. McCarrick, I want to ask you something. Is anyone in the government listening to you? I mean, you're at the top of the heap. Or is this so political that they only listen to people who are inside this little bubble of uh, the government medical complex? Well... I would say, first of all, there's a lot of doctors that agree with me because they reach out to me and I get thousands of physicians around the country that say, this is what I've been trying to say. Thank you for being a voice. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we've got a very small group of a few people who are like minded calling all the shots. And it's very difficult to compete mm -hmm. with that sort of totalitarian approach in wow. medicine. We never we, it hasn't been like this in the past. We used That's to have not. an open exchange of ideas. Yes. Now we don't. What happened? How did this become such a closed little almost Soviet system? Well, I first noticed it when people would oppose something just because President Trump said it. That I, yes. That's something I've noticed. And then the cancel culture set into medicine like it has the rest of society. Oh 
Oh, my God. Well, we haven't heard about racism yet. You know, the other day I interviewed Dr. Uh, Marilyn Singleton, an incredible woman. She's hardly known outside of her own world. She's African-American. And that's important to say because she says things about the issue from a racial point of view that others can't say. And she is saying you can't tell African-American women to lose weight because it would be considered racist. And she said she's been trying to do that. Things of that nature, again, locked out because it doesn't match the political correctness of our time, which is extremely dangerous. You know, it's like we're moving into the age of Lysenko in the Soviet Union, which is a whole political discussion. And I'm terrified as to where this could go. So in your book, to bring it back to the important point of the interview from your point of view, and I recommend people read The Price We Pay, what will they get from the book that they're not getting from this podcast? Well, look, I, I, I agree with you, Michael. I think that there's a revolution right now that people need to be aware of that they can participate in. And this is a revolution to finally deal with the underlying issues that bring people to care, that are bankrupting this country through runaway health care costs. And that means talking about school lunch programs, not just bariatric surgery, looking at the fact that we have the most disabled, the most obese, the most medicated generation in human history. And it will suck in the entire U.S. economy if we don't finally get a hold of health care costs that means the appropriateness of care, addressing underlying issues, looking at body inflammation and food as medicine. It mm -hmm. also means addressing pricing failures, that is price gouging and predatory billing after you get medical care. It's something I'm particularly passionate about, and it's something my team and I are shutting down around the country as best we can. And people need to be aware about what they can do to navigate the system. Okay, one last question, Dr. Dr. Macri, and, and that is inflammation. It's an interesting point from my perspective. CRP levels. Are doctors measuring CRP levels prior to treatment in order to screen those who are you know, running high levels of C-reactive protein as an indicator of inflammation and working on the inflammation as well as the vaccination, or it's just vaccinate them like kind of stockade people, animals in a stockade? Well, some doctors are using CRP in general in their medical treatment, and it's a good test to get for general health status. You know, when we talk about health in 50 years, we're going to be talking about, Michael, how's your level of inflammation? And right. you can modify it. You can modify it with a lot of things, including the foods you eat, stress management, all kinds of things. What, what would added you say? Sugar. No, this is, this is a whole topic, and I'm sure you don't have the time for this. I'm fascinated by this whole subject of CRP mm -hmm. from a personal point of view because I've been watching it for years. What would you say to the average listener who never heard of C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation? Yep. What could the average person do if they do have elevated CRP levels? What could they do instantly in their own life? Switch to cooking instead of processed food and switch from sugary drinks to water. Two simple things. Mm. Um, there's a lot of factors. Added sugar is one of the big drivers. Also processed food because it's high in the omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. It doesn't have the balance. I get into in my book um, why people should get a highly selective C-reactive protein test and something called a lipoprotein A or LPA, one of the early predictors of early heart disease. Every American should have it done at least once. And so there's a lot of good stuff out there that people should be aware of. Some doctors are testing for this stuff and others are still not uh, up on the latest state of the art. LPA is another interesting fraction. I mean, I had heart disease in my family, early deaths from father, grandfather. So I've been fanatically worried about it all my life. Then finally, I myself had a 
a heart attack for the first time a year ago, late in life. So I thought I was a failure till I realized that I pushed it off by 30 years, given my genetics. So I don't feel so badly anymore about myself. But I used to watch the um, LPA fanatically. And I, the more I studied, I wonder what your opinion is. LPA is largely genetically inherited, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And about one in five Americans will test somewhat high or very high on the LPA. And when you hear about a 45-year-old or a 51-year-old that had a sudden heart attack, oftentimes that LPA comes back high. Mine was low right up until the heart attack. And I thought I was immune. This is the terrible thing about getting arrogant about your health, doctor. You know, I said, you know, I haven't had a heart attack. I'm 78. I'm watching diet. I'm doing the best I can. I bicycle every day. I take tons of vitamin C, vitamin A, all the nutrients I know. I'm not going to get one. If I haven't had a heart attack by 75, the data says I won't get one. Well, sure enough, God said to me, oh, yeah, well, let me show you. They're outliers and you're one of them. Bango. So, you, you know, there's no assurances in any of this, is there? Yeah, look, it's one of the factors. So there's a number of factors. And that's really what good doctoring is. A good doctor is going to walk through these different factors that could drive the uh, risk of heart disease. And it's not what we thought. Remember, there's a bunch of old school folks that are still telling patients to lose weight by switching to a low fat diet. That uh, is completely outdated. Well, and the answer, of course, is lower your sugar for a number. Yeah. Sugar is actually a bigger danger than, than uh, lipids are. That's right. right. And there's no association between saturated fat and heart disease. People need to manage their general body inflammation and look at their cholesterol risk based on certain very specific tests like LPA and LDL, not just total cholesterol and triglycerides. I want to ask you a question. You look like a very healthy young man. Do you eat meat, animal meat? On rare occasion, I eat meat. I try to um, generally avoid meat, mostly because it's processed. I don't think meat is going is I don't see overwhelming evidence that meat is bad for your health. Um, but most of the meat that we have is processed. It's chlorine washed. It's corn oh. fed. It's high in omega sixes, and oh it's just God. not good for your body inflammation. Yeah, I'm I'm more or less, <clears throat> you know, a fish person. And it's the best we can do, which is wild-caught fish. Mm -hmm. With vegetables, bicycling, and a very high-stress life called podcasting. I <laughs> 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 try to cut the stress down no matter what you do. How can you live without stress, right? <laughs> That's right. It's impossible. In fact, I I would say that trying to reduce your stress is more stressful than living with the stress. <laughs> the book is The Price We Pay I really recommend this to all of my listeners, Dr. Marty Macaray, and I hope I've been pronouncing your name correctly, M-A-K-A-R-Y. Sure, and, that, um, that works. Is that correct? I say McCary, but that works. I'm happy to change it just for you, Michael. No, stop it. That would sound Irish, McCary. Yeah, it does sound Irish. People think I'm Irish until they meet me. It's okay, whatever you are, you're a brilliant guy, <laughs> and you're a very nice person. We've talked about the problems of the failed medical system. Uh, the 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 flawed uh, me mentality about the vaccines, herd immunity, and um, diet, things of that nature. The book is the price we pay. I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today on the Michael Savage podcast. Great to be with you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye bye. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. You know, recently we've talked to two different doctors about how COVID affects people differently depending upon their race, age, and underlying conditions. 
Well, let's spin the wheel backwards in time to January 1st, where I, Michael Savage, was already talking about the scientific data pointing this out, meaning the differences between people, their underlying conditions. You say, well, we all know that. You didn't know it then. I was the only one in the media saying it. Never forget that. I'm not a traffic light with eyes. I'm not squeaky, okay? I said it to you January 1st. Now everyone makes believe they all knew it. Why don't you decide for yourself why you listen to this show? Why am I angry? I'm not really angry. I'm trying to wake you up. That's why. Fireworks to begin the new year. As the world begins ushering in a lockdown new year, what's going on in China? Crowds are thronging Wuhan to celebrate. Now that's an interesting question, isn't it? How is it that Wuhan is over the COVID epidemic while we're dying from it here and in England and everywhere else? I, I touched on this yesterday on the radio show. What did the Chinese do here? How are they over it? Can anyone answer that question? Do they have some secret here that we don't know? They're over it and we're just dying from it here? Crowds throng Wuhan where a pandemic began to celebrate the new year. That was last night. How was that even possible? Well, it's true they're wearing masks uh, over there in China on Thursday evening and a light show. But how are they over it? Well, the Chinese are saying they control the epidemic very well by locking down. I don't believe that. China has been accused of covering up the outbreak and allowed the virus to spread internationally. Do you believe that? Huh? Beijing has also put out the big lie that COVID originated in Wuhan. They, had, they tried to say it originated in Italy. Remember who went along with that? It was uh, de Blasio, the communist. How's that, Jim? So the city of Wuhan, where it began, locked down from January to April. And according to the fake Chinese news, only 4,000 people died. I don't believe a word of it. So there you go. So I looked into this. And I'd like to now go into the story of ethnicity and COVID here in America to give you a little more insight that no one else has. Okay? So let's hold on. I'm getting the data now. I'm going into my files right now. And here it is. I have a whole file that I put together because I'm very interested, intrigued on ethnicity and the disease. Because we keep hearing that here in America, uh, African Americans are inordinately affected by it. Hispanics are disproportionately affected by it. Well, it's true, but what do you mean by disproportionately? What, is someone giving it to them in a blanket on a pony? No, that's not how it's happening. So I looked into the death rates amongst white Americans, Asian Americans, Latino Americans, Pacific Islander Americans, black Americans, indigenous Americans. And the, the, the date is very interesting. The highest death rate is amongst Native Americans, 133 deaths per 100,000. The lowest death rate for COVID is amongst Asian Americans, 51 deaths per 100,000. Now, let's look at that for a minute. Okay. Native Americans or indigenous Americans have a death rate of 133 per 100,000. Asian Americans have the lowest rate of 51 deaths per 100,000. So how is that possible? 2.6 times as high as the death rate for Asians who have the lowest actual rates. Now, why is that? What is there, some secret going on here? Why would Asian Americans have a lower death rate from COVID-19? What are they doing right? 
or put it another way, what are, what are indigenous Americans doing wrong? The answer is neither of them are doing anything right or wrong, or is it all, at, or is it all genetic? We don't have a, a, a definitive answer for this, but something is going on here, okay? Nationwide, Asian Americans have experienced 3.5% of all deaths of all known races, while they represent 5.6% of the population. That's very interesting. Why are Asian Americans enjoying, if you want to put it that way, such a low death rate, an actual mortality rate? It's a very interesting question. And on the other side, the, uh, the story is different. There's something going on on the other side. Indigenous Americans, 133 deaths per 100,000. Black Americans, uh, 123 deaths per 100,000. White Americans, 75 deaths per 100,000. So I want to look into this just slightly from the point of view of the underlying conditions. Everyone's interested in this. We keep hearing, oh, they had an underlying condition. I instinctually said if I was still working in science, what I would look at is why are people with diabetes and cardiovascular disease dying at a higher rate or even getting the disease at a higher rate of, corona, uh, of COVID-19? Why is the disease severity and the outcome worse in people who have diabetes and cardiovascular disease? Well, potential links between pathogenicity or the illness between COVID-19 and diabetes include effects on glucose homeostasis, inflammation, altered immune status, and activation of the RAAS system, the renin angiotensin. Ang the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. What does that mean to the average person? During the COVID-19 pandemic, tight control of glucose levels and prevention of diabetes complications has become very crucial in patients with diabetes to keep susceptibility low and to prevent se severe courses of COVID-19. Why is that? I'm also looking at drugs that people might be taking to treat these illnesses. So scientists have started to look at this, which is pharmacological agents that are used to treat diabetes, which affect glucose. Does insulin itself affect it? Should people stop taking these medications because it increases their risk of COVID-19? There's no answer yet. Pharmacological agents under investigation for the treatment of COVID-19 can affect glucose metabolism, particularly in patients with diabetes. And so frequent blood glucose monitoring and personalized adjustment of medications are absolutely required. But definitively, nobody knows whether taking these agents, these drugs for these diseases, is actually increasing your risk of the disease and your risk of dying. But we do know this. Drugs used in the clinical care of patients with COVID-19, such as corticosteroids or antiviral agents, can actually contribute to worsening hyperglycemia. So there's the link right there. And I want you to ask your doctor if you have diabetes or if you have an underlying heart condition, what drugs he has or she has put you on, and does it increase the risk of complications and damage the vital organs in patients who also have COVID-19, because I think that they do, and I think we have to look at that in much more detail. Again, to summarize, 
both the ethnicity or race of people and what medications people are taking for their diabetes or heart disease or underlying conditions should be looked at very, very carefully with regard to the deaths from COVID-19. What site do you want me to begin with? Drudge, Savage Nation, Washington Times, Newsmax, New York Post, USA Today, Fox News, AP, Breitbart, Jerusalem Post, 2020's big winners, billionaires. I'm sure everyone saw that. We all know that some got richer than ever in history. And the biggest winners are your friends, Mark Zuckerface, Jeff uh, Bozos, and Chairman Z of uh, Communist China. The coronavirus pandemic took nearly 2 million lives worldwide and caused unprecedented economic devastation this year, but 2020 has had at least three big winners because of the pandemic. The world's billionaires, Silicon Valley's tech lords, and communist China where the virus originated. Well, you can read the rest. Okay, New York Post headlines, January 1. Let's see what they're babbling about. Fauci says mandatory COVID-19 vaccines are possible for travel and school. Isn't that nice what the little bastard is saying? That little bastard is saying it's possible that mandatory vaccines will be required for travel and school. That little pharmaceutical bastard. San Francisco is the next uh, website. Up to half of some California hospital workers refusing to take COVID vaccine. Well, get little uh, the pharmacist assistant. He can jab them himself. Maybe Fauci can come out by private jet and force people down onto a stretcher and tie them down and vaccinate them and say it's for their own good. Okay, well, California hospitals at brink of catastrophe, 25,000 dead. I'm sorry to tell you, most of them are coming over the border. I looked at the data. The Mexican government is encouraging their citizens to cross the border into San Diego County and flood the gringo hospitals because we're stupid and we treat them. But no one will say that. Can't say that. Take a look at the major clusters. Illegal immigrant communities. You don't even hear the word illegal anymore, do you? Undocumented community. You don't even hear undocumented anymore, right? You don't even hear the word immigrant community anymore. It's all one and the same. We're all one happy family of, of people now. Okay, my friends, isn't that enough for the day? I think it's enough for the day. Many immigrants are wary of Biden. What? Wait, I got to read that story. Sorry, immigrants wary of Biden? I thought they loved uh, the basket case. Immigrants in the U.S. both hopeful and wary of Biden. Oh, it's hopeful and wary. I see. Aha. Uh -huh. He's, he's going to restart DACA? Okay, that's what we need. I see. They don't. Oh, she said Badak is not enough. Eight million illegal aliens isn't enough for them. She said it kind of puts this little umbrella over a little population of millions. I see. Mm -hmm. I can't even read this. For those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only three ninety nine a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. I'm going to give you a link right now. 
And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. If you click on it, you're going to see a cartoon of me. Join Savage's exclusive club with the rate and you just click and you join. You're going to love it. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage Exclusive Club. I want to thank you very much for supporting the Savage Nation podcast, either the free version or the paid version, your patronage. It's appreciated. It's that simple. Thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.